got a lot to say about the world I occupy every day. But when I say what's on my mind, I find I piss people off. You're listening to What the Folk, real talk and raw tunes for revelationary times. I'm Emily Yates. And I'm Sarah Baranowskis. And on this episode, we're joined by Lola Darling, a songwriter, musician, artist in many media, and all-around wonderful human being with lots of interesting shit to say. The more you truly, truly put in the work to know yourself, to accept yourself, the more you just inadvertently without trying help and heal others before that if you like what you've been hearing on what the folk please consider leaving us a review on itunes and a million star rating or whatever they're doing these days and tell all your friends about us because we want to be in their ear holes too here's one of lola's songs to get us started it's called breath Aging like trees Cut me open, count my rings to be talking with both of you at the same time because I feel like we both, or we all, I don't know, both, we both sets of both of us sort of started getting to know each other around the same time, even though Sarah, you and I knew each other for a couple of years. We didn't really have many conversations until right around the beginning of the pandemic. And I met Lola in New Orleans right before um, the shit hit the fan. We went to Mardi Gras, which may possibly be the last Mardi Gras like it ever at this point. <laughs> uh, no. Well, it, Mardi is just going to be different. You can't kill Mardi It's just going to be <laughs> different. <laughs> what do you think it's going to be like? I don't, Well, there are definitely going to be a, a lot of people. There a lot of people not giving a fuck. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I think the litmus test is going to be Halloween because Halloween's a pretty big deal here too. Um, and so I think, I think we'll have a better idea of what, uh, what Mardi Gras is going to be like after that. Yeah. It's, um, it's been really interesting to see how everywhere and different parts of the country has responded to the pandemic 
and uh, everyone has their own little flavor, uh, both of of uh, of com- compliance and rebellion. <laughs> so I met Lola Darling through my friend Jenny, who I met when I gave her a ride via Craigslist about I don't know almost ten years ago now, in California, and. Uh, Jenny is the one who is responsible for my one and only Texas tour <laughs> in which I played in some really, really wonderful, friendly, small towns and uh, met some high quality human beings. And so whenever Jenny is like, I've got someone that you should meet, I'm like, tell me. So I happened to be driving up the Gulf Coast and uh, this was at the end of February, and I decided that I would go to New Orleans. And when I posted, hey, does anybody know somewhere that I could stay in New Orleans? Because I was pretty broke at the time also, having just returned from Nicaragua. Jenny was like, Lola darling, you must meet her. And, uh, And we met late at night, and you very graciously lent me half of your room and uh, and showed me a really wonderful, fun Mardi Gras, and we had great conversations about how uh, fucked the world is, but specifically how traditionally fucked this country has been due to it being built on slavery and genocide. And that's just refreshing to be able to casually have that kind of conversation with someone. You are a songwriter, musician, and a helper of people? Uh, yeah, yeah. I um, spend most of my time doing drugs and making art, you know? Um, it's like I um, grew up Mormon. And with Mormons, it's all about service, right? Like missionaries, when missionaries come to your home, they're supposed to ask if they can do anything for you before, you know, before they leave. And it's not an empty gesture. Like you can ask them to mow your lawn and like they'll do it. Um, I don't have a work ethic. I hate work. I hate having a job. Um, it's the worst. But I really like to be of service to people. I really like being useful. I think it's one of the greatest things a person can be in life. Interesting and useful. And yeah, like, I'm just lucky enough to seem to find myself in positions to where I I can do that, even if it, it's mostly just like having a place that people can come and be safe and feel welcome. And um, yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't really play music that much. I have a, a, anymore. I have a project that I'm working on that. I've kind of put unintentionally put on the back burner uh, recently because I've been going through a lot of life things with my family um, and uh, I lost a lot of uh, relatives throughout the pandemic uh, because uh, the reservation I'm from is, it is the hardest hit area in the country uh it COVID-19 just stormed through the reservation 
Mm-hmm. Um, something like in, in Neshoba County, something like 175 people died within, you know, a couple of months. And uh, like 170 of them were Choctaw, which is what I am. I'm Chota Indian. Um, yeah, so I lost a lot of people and I was in this really, yeah, I've, it, it's been a lot. And so um, the project I'm working on requires a lot of energy. Um, it's, it's, it's really very simple. Like the, the concept of it is a, a, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this right now. I don't know. But um, it's a musical oracle. So my goal is to write a hundred songs and the parameters for the songs are they're between 30 and 90 seconds and the music and the lyrics are um, improvised. Uh, So I'll lay down, uh, I have a baritone ukulele. I'll lay down a a, a uke track and then um, go over and mess with the effects and stuff. And then I'll, yeah, just sing a couple times uh, over that, just whatever comes to mind. And uh, a lot of times I don't, even, I don't even have to really do it more than once to have the lyrics. Uh, so, like, it's clunky. Like, the cadence and stuff, it gets really clunky. So I'll go back and, and re-record, the, re-record that bit. And there's a lot of editing and, and it's landscaping and stuff that goes along with it. But in order to get to a space where uh, I have that flowing through me to where I can just, like, spit rhymes, like, yeah, it, it takes a lot. And I've been focusing a lot more on, on my on visual art lately, too. So when you say it's an oracle, um, do you kind of mean the end product? Or just it sounds like also the way you're doing it? Yeah, so... Every everything I do artistically is um, to help me understand me better. It was one of the reasons why it's it's improvised is uh, I I've come to so many just different revelations of oh my god like this feeling that I've had that I, I haven't been able to. Um, put a label to or properly describe it's all in this song mm-hmm. um, so that's part of it uh, the other the other part is um, so I'll, I'll get a hundred songs and I want to make like you know like cards like cards like a like an oracle deck and I'll sit down with a friend and we'll draw three cards and we'll listen to those songs and we'll talk about how they felt through while listening to the songs and what, you know, my interpretation of what I wrote was. And then we'll talk about their lives and, and how, you know, the songs might inform, you know, decisions they've made in the past, uh, issues they're dealing with in the present and maybe, you know, uh, a little insight into the future, and it all. I, I stopped playing. I stopped playing music for a long time because I got 
sick. Uh, initially, was, I got uh, white men's egos. Just dealing with, with their bullshit and the fact that I was in a band with uh, another indigenous woman and we were, you know, playing a lot of shows and not getting paid. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, white dudes were getting paid, but not us. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of said, fuck that and like just bowed out. But then uh, I just, you know, I find performance masturbatory. Um, I think it takes, I think you have to have uh, a need that, a void that needs to be filled by the empty love of strangers mm. to really, like, just want to perform. Um <laughs> Uh, in that in that capacity anyway in the in the way that we think of a performance and and uh live shows or whatever, and people get demanding even my you know I've had friends who just like would I tell them like my voice is shot, I'm really tired, and they're like, no, play one more song, and I'm like, you don't give a fuck about me like and then capitalism that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons i I didn't set out to do a musical oracle. I got um, this ukulele because I thought it'd be a good apocalypse instrument. Uh, and my hands are too big for a soprano. So uh, I got a baritone and I just love it. I haven't even played any, uh, any of my other guitars since buying uh, the uke. And and around the same time, I downloaded uh, this app called BandLab, and it's a free uh, multi-track recording app, and it works wonderfully. So I just started doing these like 30, 30 90 second songs, just fucking around. And also during this time, one of the things that got me into doing visual art was I had kept myself away from it because I, I thought yeah, I'm not I'm not any good I'm not I'm a musician that's what I am mm-hmm. put myself in this like, tiny box of being a musician and when I once I started examining my feelings of why I felt I was a good visual artist it all went back to no one's gonna buy my shit but I don't care if anybody buys my shit it's my shit um, God damn right that's how we that's how we like frame so many things and keep ourselves from doing so many things is um is capitalism and so that also like informs a little bit of the 30 and 90 second uh parameter because like there's a there's a rapper uh from philly named tiara whack and she's just got an album out called whack world all of her songs are one minute it's a 15 minute album and they all tell they all tell a full story. They all it's it's all a full song. Uh, if you added anything more, it'd be uh, excessive. And it's just it's one of the most perfect albums I've ever listened to. Um, and yeah, like what? Why do we? Why do we have the these? Why do we let other fucking people in this corrupt ass greedy system 
make the rules on what we do as artists. It's bullshit, and I hate it. Yeah, I also hate it. Really well said. (laughs) And that, honestly, it speaks to the fact that art can be revolutionary and an act of resistance in so many different ways. Like, it's not just through content. It's also through how you produce it and why you produce it and the form that you choose and the motivation that you bring to it. So when you're you're talking about your musical oracle, first thing, I'm super excited about it. And, And second thing, I feel like it's... It's exactly the medicine, like it's kind of the antidote for this, this like extreme instability that a lot of people are feeling right now who maybe haven't felt unstable before. And, um, and they're like trying to cling to these forms of reality that they're used to. We all are, you know, in a way. And what you're doing is like actively you know, being, you're being the, the new way, the way that we're trying to build, which is like art for art's sake. And, um, and also as a crucial piece of like our human experience, it's not this, this thing that needs to be gate kept or should be. Yeah, exactly. I always tell people, I, I'm going to hard brag. Um, I've like, there's, there are a lot of people who have picked up instruments and learned how to play them because I've been so insistent when, you know, after I play a set or, you know, step out of a song circle, well, I wish I could play guitar like you. I wish I could sing like you. I'm like, well, do it. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing stopping you from just doing it. Uh, I, I'm a self-taught guitar player. I even the stuff with the or, with the Oracle. I do it with my phone and the ukulele. That's it. It's not this great big like unaccomplishable thing. Like anybody, m- music is such a part of who we are. Not as a culture. Not as anything but just evolutionary. Uh, I read this article that was uh, theorizing that um, human before human beings had language, we sang to communicate with each other. Mm. And that like resonated with me so hard because everybody sings, everybody whistles. And so when I, when people, mm. oh, I'm not a musician, everyone's a musician. Like you just haven't found your instrument yet. Keep looking, keep trying, you'll find it, pick it up, play it. I love that approach, especially as someone who has found some great joy in the ukulele and the baritone ukulele specifically. Like I just finished writing a song on it. Like I was just playing it right before we got on this uh, call. And it's like, it's such a lovely instrument. I'm so glad that's what you have what you've stumbled on is like your voice for the moment. (laughs) Yeah. And I got excited hearing about the Oracle because one of my um, projects during the pandemic has been learning how to read tarot. So I've been, I gave to Emily a tarot reading actually for her birthday. (laughs) So, um, and I, 
Yeah, I just find that a whole experience of how it kind of takes you out of sort of linear time into this space where you're kind of communicating with your subconscious, really interesting. That's the best way I could kind of describe the process. So I'm curious to hear what your experience is like, you know, designing um, an oracle and, you know, how you got interested in that. Um, so I have a, 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 a complicated, weird relationship with uh, spirituality and mysticism. I consider myself an atheist because I'm too lazy to uh, think of anything else. It's just like, yeah, I'm an atheist, no God, whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, but really, I, I like, um, I, uh, so for the longest time, I, I was, uh, I hated tarot i didn't see anything that had to do with like mysticism i was against it um and then i um i met my ex-wife um and we were together for about five years and over the i think it was maybe halfway through our relationship i was watching her do her reading one day and it it just like smacked me in the face like this is a Jungian thought experiment yeah. <laughs> like she is like forcing herself to 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 think about her life and her decisions in like in, in different ways and to force different perspectives and I thought that was so beautiful. Um, and I, that it's, I, I just got it. And, uh, and I've never like delved, delved into it. Um, but lately, especially after coming out, um, coming out was a, a big thing. I think that it, it really opened me up in a lot of different ways. I, um, I thought I was trying to be a good person before and I, I came to realize that I, I was fucking around and found this like immense well of empathy and understanding and love for um, some people. <laughs> Not all of them, but, and so I've just been on this really intense journey of self-examination and self-expression. And so, um, so it, w it wasn't until I was having a conversation with uh, a friend of mine, I think I was about 10 or 15 songs in. And I did, you know, they asked me like, oh, how's your songwriting coming? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just like my daily tarot. And that's when it hit me like, oh, shit, mm -hmm. I'm fucking doing it. I'm writing a tarot deck right now. <laughs> and that's like, that's honestly, that's how I, uh, I paint and collage as well is mm -hmm. I just kind of like put stuff together. I'm um, I'm pretty good at both visually and, and, and musically, uh, I'm not, I'm not technically, 
a great musician or great artist, but I, I know composition. Um, I know how to put stuff together and it sound good. <laughs> um, and same with, with the visual, with the visual stuff. I, I know framing, I know, um, not, not intellectually, but definitely on a, a subconscious level, I know color theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so I'll just start putting things together and about, between a quarter and a half of the way through a project and they're like, Oh shit, this is about my father, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then I can move on with more and, you know, intention and, and, uh, and direction. But, and yeah. And so that's what, uh, that's what really did it is I'm, uh, the more you truly, truly put in the work to know yourself, to accept yourself, the more you just inadvertently, without trying, help and heal others. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's just been, so true. I believe that is the, the, the true nature of, of humanity. I think this whole humanity is evil and selfish bullshit is a narrative that's been invented so that uh, a certain sect of people can keep committing atrocities against the rest of us, mm-hmm, white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you won't meet any argument for that theory here. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy when you put that out there. Like, oh, this is the base nature of human beings. So this is just what you're yeah. going to get. So. Yeah, it's really not. I've lived uh, about two dozen different lives in my 38 years, and some have been like really catastrophic. And in those instances, yeah, they you see good people do horrible shit. But from my experience, I've seen a lot of people that I never would have thought uh, step up and do the right thing and you know, go above and beyond. And that's, I I truly believe that that's, we're tribal people. We're not, we're not supposed, we're not islands, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. You know, I I watched the, uh, the social dilemma last night, uh, you know, just for some like light pre-bed viewing. I don't know what's wrong with me. I started the pandemic with the handmaid's tale I don't know. Um, but it was interesting to me to see how the the conclusion that was kind of being drawn is that the the algorithms, which are essentially writing themselves these days and are driven toward monetizing people's attention, are also kind of imitating this the the same like tribal mentality or they're they're accelerating the same tribal mentality that humans I think have always had but it just wasn't as far reaching you know there was if, if you met up with another tribe there was lots of space to like figure out what you're going to do about that and to either work out your differences or not and um it wasn't like you're constantly being bombarded with like millions of people com- um 
in all of this, they're each individual tribe think that is personally tailored to their desires. But, you know, it's, it's, um, when we think about how people want to be, it's, I think, connected and we can, we can either like approach that as a way as like in a, in a place of fear, or we can approach that with like, all right, how do we like make the most of this as far as it's what's up? Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I want to bring up something that is, it's sad. It's a sad thing, but this is how badly, um, human beings, crave connection and crave being part of a group. I was having a conversation with uh, a friend of mine uh, a few days ago and um, uh, they're black. And we started talking about the wild ass shit white folks would say around us because we would be the only people of color in a group of white folks. I, I'm from Mississippi. They're from Louisiana. And uh, the guilt that both of us held from those instances of just like, yeah, uh, we just let them say that, you know? But that's how badly human beings want to be a part of the group. You will, you will let someone mm. sit there and, like, say some wild-ass offensive shit just right there in front of your face because, because it sucks to – it doesn't suck to be lonely. It sucks to be alone. Mm. It's awful mm. that, like, feeling of true – the void – just true mm. void is awful. Uh, that's a, a feeling I grew up with as a child, being a, a queer person uh, mm. on the reservation, and, and and also just being a just being a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and I think that that's a, been a big motivating drive for me as an adult is not feeling that again yeah that is a really I think important insight you know as far as the way that we will throw ourselves under the bus yeah um, just to be connected to the bus yeah
love to hear a little bit more of your sort of your backstory, um, you know, growing up in Mississippi. And if you were comfortable sharing your coming out story, I'm not so sure as much as you're comfortable with, but in the interest of helping people Um, feel less alone, I guess. (laughs) Sam? Sam? Um, Yeah, yeah, no. um, I'm I'm an open book. um, And my grandfather was a tribal storyteller. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your opinion, I, uh, like, definitely... One of the greatest compliments someone ever gave me was uh, tell, telling me, hey, you know, you tell stories like an Indian. Because <laughs> uh, I'll go off my head. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I was uh, born and raised on the Pearl River Choctaw Reservation in Mississippi and went through a lot of childhood abuse, a lot of trauma, and... Uh, I just, my whole family, uh, except for my little sister, my little sister and I are the only people in our family that don't live on the reservation. And uh, she lives in fucking Indiana. So lateral move, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, when I was uh, 19, I got this job at this, um, company, this company on the reservation called um, Geoimaging Technologies. Um, boring, boring, boring. Uh, worked there for a few years, and then they—I thought I was gonna, you know, work there forever. I was really happy because it was a, it was like a computer desk job, and at the time, um, that's all I, you know, that's all I did. I I went to college for like two semesters, I guess it's a year. Um, and they don't, they don't, um, prepare you for that on the reservation, you know, for college. And so I flunked out and got that job. And then I got laid off. They shut our division down because, uh, they were getting, another division was getting like major government contracts and stuff. And used my unemployment to get off the reservation. I moved to Olympia, Washington for <clears throat> a few, a couple, not like a, two years, maybe. And after taking a trip to Texas, I became homeless. And so I, uh, I was homeless for about five years and that's around the time I met my my ex-wife we were like friends for a long time for a long time she was like the only person that I knew that I could call at three o'clock in the afternoon and be like hey I got a bottle of whiskey you want to drink it (laughs) and so we like hang out and just drink whiskey and do Adderall and that eventually led to a romance for the ages. <laughs> but um, we had a great time. We, for, I don't want to say most part, <laughs> but when the, when the times were great, they were really great. 
Um, she's she's uh, an amazing person and a brilliant artist. But um, yeah, uh, you know, she was also a lot younger than me. She was like seven years younger than I was. And so, you know, she felt like uh, she needed to explore herself and, and her life a bit more without me. And so I moved to New Orleans. And uh, about three and a half years ago, I was sitting at this table. At, I was sitting in my house, not sitting in my house at our kitchen table with my roommate, Peak. And so throughout all of this time, from 22 to 34, I had been um, playing with uh, gender unknowingly, even though it was, it, it was right in front of my face, I was like, I would occasionally wear uh, skirts and I, I stole pieces of clothing from every single one of my girlfriends. Um, and it, it was like, I don't know, it was just like all these signs were right there and I just wasn't getting any of them. Um, in fact, the, the year before I came out, I went to the, I was at the Kerrville Folk Festival and um, just the whole time I was just uh, not just wearing, you know, skirts to be comfortable, but I, I just started wearing thin clothing all, all the time. Um, and it was, it, there was no um, sort of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it was apparent. It was very, it was, anyway. So I'm sitting around with my friend and roommate and bandmate, Peak, and I, I don't even know how we started talking about uh, gender expression and gender identity and, and this and that. I started, we started, I started talking about not being Indian enough for some people because um, I don't speak with a reservation accent. I don't act like people think Indians are supposed to act. And um, like my accent specifically is because uh, it started out as an affectation because I knew I didn't want to uh, spend my entire life uh, in Neshoba County, Mississippi. And then if I were ever going to, and this, mind you, this is when I was young, like 10 years old. Um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make it in the outside world speaking the way I spoke. And so I started mimicking the way that white folks on TV talk. Um, and that was just a slippery slope of a conversation 
because then it was like, well, uh, this is an affectation and this part of myself is an affectation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she brought up the fact that, uh, a close friend of ours, um, was trans and I, like, I never, re- I never re- knew that, but as soon as Pete said it, like, I was like, oh shit, that makes sense. And like, I don't know. That's when like just the dam broke mm-hmm. um, of like, oh my God, I, like this is the thing. Like this is the thing that's been staring me in the face my entire life. Mm-hmm. And it still happens where I'll be just like going about my normal day to day and be blindsided by you know, some random memory of me as a child just feeling so uncomfortable with um, being called a boy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it's been one of the most traumatic and heartbreaking and beautiful and freeing experiences that I've, I, I think I'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, can I ask how, well, what was your family's reaction or did you talk to them about it or how did, how was that side of it? If you want to talk about it, if not, no problem. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. I told you I'm an open maybe open book isn't the right word I'm an open wound oh, uh, oh wow that's such a good way of putting so, that yeah. wow wow okay hold on yeah. I need to just process the realness of that for a second <laughs> super damn real so uh while I was homeless uh, I started hopping trains about halfway through that and I would um always make uh, I would always make it a point to hop train back to the res, you know, two, three times a year, see the fam. And since moving to New Orleans, um, which is the closest I've lived to, uh, to the res since leaving, I up until this year, ha- haven't, been, haven't been back in, in eight years. During the pandemic, they shut the reservation down because, you know, it was, it was running rampant. And my uh, older sister, uh, Marsha, opened up a, uh, a uh, supply hub. She would get donations and, and distribute it to, there's, seven different communities around the main reservation. So she basically ran a distribution center. So I started uh, gathering money and supplies here and driving them up to the reservation. And it was the first time I had seen my uh, nephews in almost a decade, my brothers and my my mother, 
my sister, my big sister, Marsha, she, she comes out in New Orleans fairly often and we have a good relationship. But my uh, immediate family, because um, Marsha's my half-sister, we didn't really grow up together. Uh, they are disgusted by me. Um, my brothers won't look me in the eye. My Their kids won't speak to me. And my mother takes every opportunity to demean and diminish me. And before I came out, we were a really close-knit family. And I'm just like, not a part of that anymore. But I'm a part of something bigger, you know, so. Yeah. It's still really hard. I'm still like, you know, processing um, and working through that because that was uh, extremely, extremely recent. Um, But uh, being willing to go there. Yeah. I mean, I am so lucky to have the massive support system that I do have in my life. And I'm like eternally grateful for that because if it um, wasn't for my friends, I, I, I really like, I don't know uh, what, I don't know what I would be if I uh, never went to the, to the Curve of Folk Festival. Cause that was a, a huge event in my life that, um, I, I just don't know. That's where I, I blossomed as a musician and um, had the freedom to, you know, like love people without being made to feel weird about it. You know? Yeah. Um, I know uh, it, it, it can feel like a, a closed off space, but, and this is something I was telling somebody the other day, uh, another a veteran of the folk festival who um, was like, I took a 23 and me and uh, turns out I'm uh, fucking Saskatchewan or whatever. And I'm like, yo, like that's not how it works. It's just <laughs> like Kerrville. A blood test doesn't make you anything. Right. Like just like when you, you can't just go to the folk festival and just be a curvert. <laughs> you don't decide you're a curvert. The curverts decide that you're a curvert, and that's how being indigenous um, used to be, and used to be, and still is in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You don't decide that you are this. Right. If you are not an active part of that community, if you are not um, doing things to help out, especially if you're a white passing person, mm-hmm. then you have no business trying to claim that heritage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the folk festival uh, has it's it's a problematic place, but it's also a beautiful and wonderful and yeah a whole ass experience. Say, I was adopted into the Kerbert family by the end of my week there, and I still remember pulling up um, and trying to get my volunteer information, and there was this sign that said it can be like this always, and that's just always really. St- 
kind of like had a special place in my heart. Just that feeling of, you know, driving up solo with my car full of camping gear and that being the first sign I saw. So um, It can't, though, because the 25th anniversary of the Folk Festival, they went 25 days. Ooh. And uh, there's wow. stories. Uh, you know, that's 18 days is as much as it can be that way always you carry that with you always though you know um, I, I think that's really what the what more the, the sign is more about than, yeah. than that um, is um, like Emily and I like meeting up like that's that's true curse spirit right there <laughs> um and like that's it's a wonderful magical thing and I love it mm. yeah yeah life can be brutal but man it's got some like really beautiful moments and that's what I look for yeah totally oh and yeah that's exactly why I you know, when I know somebody has good taste in people and says, like, you have to meet this person, that's generally, you know, all all I need to go on. And I usually have a really great experience and make good friends that way. And this was totally like that um, as far as, like, I don't know, the whole, like, spontaneity and synchronicity and all of, like the various pieces of that puzzle that came together for us to hang out in New Orleans and you just hearing your, uh, you know, just pieces of your story and how far you've come. And the first song that you, the song that you played for me where you were like, this is kind of a witchy song. <laughs> it's like, I love this. This is my favorite kind of new friend. <laughs> Going with that spirit I is like, I feel like, yeah, it's how you find the most, juicy moments and like experiences in life is there anything you want to in the last like couple minutes any projects you're working on that you want to talk about that's outside of what we already did or like anything that you feel like I don't know the the pretty wide smattering of listeners that we (laughs) were slowly assembling might want to here or well uh, okay like um i haven't like launched it yet but i just i am about to like launch a patreon oh um and what much, is that going to be uh it's good, well it's going to be a mixture of uh art and uh the oracle uh but i mean it's basically like i love my job it's i i hate i hate jobs but I actually have a really dope job. I, you know, I make um, food for a Meals on Wheels program that services uh, clients with HIV or AIDS and who have mobility issues. So great, but it doesn't pay a lot. So um, yeah, uh, so that's why I started the. I am starting the the Patreon and like I'm. I don't. I don't keep my art. I'm already giving it away. So like. If someone like feels like they want to pay for it or whatever, they can pay for it. I don't know. Um, I do have kind of a joke here uh, that's like, um, if someone gives me a, a thousand bucks, I'll, I'll tattoo their name 
on my body with an icon because <laughs> I, I tattoo myself. <laughs> um, uh, not uh, like that's another thing I do just as an artistic thing is like I I've only tattooed two other people. I'm not looking to like tattoo anybody, but at to date I've given myself 14 tattoos. Oh, wow. Um, Fantastic. And it's fun. It's great. Uh, and, um, but yeah, so the Patreon, Lola Darling on Patreon, and there's going to be music and art. And also I will, I'm going to, I'm gearing up to start giving tours about uh, the indigenous history of New Orleans. Mm. Uh, or in my language, we called it Bulbansha, which means the uh, land of many tongues. Our history goes completely unnoticed, and uh, most of what people think of as Louisiana culture is actually indigenous culture. That's, yeah, um, been given an OUX at the end of it. Um, <laughs> but even funnily, okay, now I'm not going to go into that. But yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to try to put some content on there about the you know, tours and stuff. And so it's just kind of an all encompassing thing. I, I don't really know exactly what I'm going to do with it because fuck making plans. <laughs> I fucking feel you. On give that. me your money. <laughs> just give me your money. I'll do what needs to be done. Damn it. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope I'm everybody who listens. Woman, if this were a movie, then, I mean, I would know everything, so just trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do know everything, though. Let's be real. Oh, I think, no, you've, so I think you've got access to the source. Like, you're there. The source code. <laughs> um, you've got the source code, Lola. <laughs> and I hope that everyone uh, who's listening to this will support you on Patreon. Yeah, that, that's, that's going to be a central hub. I'm, I'm hoping to, by the end of next week, get um enough content on there uh to feel like uh i'll be okay to 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 do something with it cool cool yeah yeah i okay starting in october we're gonna manifest everyone we know giving you money lola yeah And, and BT Dubs, like, giving me money is basically giving a lot of other people money. Too, exactly. Because I, I hate the shit. I also give a lot of money away when I have it. I gave away most of my uh, stimulus check because I've had a job through it throughout the quarantine. And I didn't really need the money. Uh, I bought a vial of acid and just gave the rest of gave it, which I've given most of the acid away too. So. <laughs> I don't know what you have to that's, do when you get acid. <laughs> that, I, that, I feel like that's the ethical way. Every time I've, I've, I've attempted to do it any other way, it's gone very, very wrong. It's bad, bad things. So great. Well, so if anybody who wants to help a lot of people should help Lola is basically what what we're putting out there and uh thank you so much for sharing about all of the really wonderful radical shit you're doing and the way you um you know have learned all the things that you have been sharing with us are I feel like not your experience isn't heard and the kind of experiences that other people have who are I mean 
You have so many different targets on your back walking through life as an indigenous trans woman and um, and not to mention that you, you know, work in the arts. But um, I, I feel like the ways that you live, just like when we were talking to Lauren about this uh, a, a couple of months ago, the way that you live is an act of resistance and it's really fucking awesome to hear uh hear about all of the all the ways that you've you've chosen and are learning to do that thanks Mm -hmm. validating it's nice to hear yeah Yeah. i concur and thank you for sharing um i'm really sorry about um both your family situation and also how badly um your reservation's been hit i think a lot of people aren't aware of how badly COVID has swept through the reservations. Because, of course, that's a story that's not being told yet again. So, wait for Sarah to bring it down, but... No, no, um, no. Uh, I, I think with with everything that's, that's going on, I, and maybe it's just because, maybe it's just the, the, the circles I travel in, but I, I do feel like Native voices are, are starting to get heard a lot more. But I could, I could go... I, I could go on that tangent for another two hours. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll um, have to have you on again yeah. and go on that tangent. Yeah, because honestly, it. that's what we started this podcast for, is to have conversations that don't get heard often enough and to make them at least available. I don't know how many people are hearing. I hope, you know, I hope people are, are listening and, and interested. But either way, like, we want to keep these Keep the the voices amplified that have been fucking so violently silenced over, you know, the course of the history of this nation. So, fuck yeah. We love you. And we're going to be playing some of your music. We haven't decided which songs we're going to use yet. Um, but we're going to, we're going to go through and figure it out unless you have a, now that we've talked, if you have a specific preference that you want us to do, we will. I am so bad. That's that's why I, that's why I give five songs because even like I've had when I have partners who are like, "What do you what do you want to eat?" I'm like, "You can't just ask me what I want to eat because I want to eat everything." So <laughs> pick three. Th- give me three options. Give me three options, yeah. and I'll pick from those three. Excellent. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. And next time we have you on, we'll figure out a way to. Have it, have it be possible for you to, like, play something for us if you feel like it. Heart. Heart. Yay. All right. We'll talk to you soon, my dear. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh
that's all for this episode of What the Folk. Your hosts have been Emily Yates and Sarah Baranowskis, and our guest has been Lola Darling. We hope you'll join us again next time, and until then, don't hurt your hand punching any Nazis. I can say any goddamn thing I please If I sing it in a major key If I sing it in a major key